0: Jones on speed news bell. Oi, oi. a lot of people are asking me, is the only match for Stappen who will win the 2023 F1 World Championship? And I say, oi, oi, slow down. It's only in April. Don't ask me again until at least, well. Probably the end of May, actually. We'll know then. All right. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. Welcome, please, Zog. Hello.
1: And welcome back, Sarah <laughs> Hi, how you doing? How are you? G'day. I should probably say, shouldn't I? I've been away for a little while, but that was quite the welcome. So thank you. It's nice to be back.
0: You've been away forever. Do you remember how to speak the language here and everything since you've been away?
1: Yes, I do, thankfully. Tell you what, I came back with a killer tan and it's sort of gone now, unfortunately.
0: <sighs> Envious. Starting the year with a tan because you're the kind of person who needs at least two summers a year. So you get one in Britain and one in the Antipodes, you lucky so and so. How was it?
1: Yeah, it was really good. I just wanted to see my family and yeah, just go home and uh yeah, exactly. Enjoy a bit of summer. The sun and the sea and the ocean and yeah it was great. So definitely a good refresh.
0: And you got back for the Australian Grand Prix?
1: Well I got back probably before the Saudi Grand Prix too. So I've managed to sort of get them while I've been here. But yes, it's a bit weird now that the Australian Grand Prix isn't the opener of the season, but it looks great, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it was jam-packed. It was record-breaking attendance again, as we seem to be getting for every F1 race. Zog, did you enjoy the Australian Grand Prix? I did, yeah. Great event, certainly had plenty of drama this weekend. Oh, yeah. A
2: few things to keep us interested in qualifying as well for all the problems that there might have been which i guess we might get into shortly yeah there was some real chaos and confusion and uh, some of it dragged on for a bit but it was a great race no i loved it and i don't think there were any terribly bad decisions in there to be honest some drivers got
0: shafted came out rather badly (laughs) with the way things shook out but you know that's just the luck of the draw it was i think the first f1 race in history with Three red flags. I think that's right. I think that might be right. Yeah. Did you understand, Sarah, what happened at the end of the race? Because it was red flagged with one or two laps to go. But they sent the cars out to do a, well, a rolling start. But not anything happened because you're not allowed to overtake until you've crossed the start-finish line. And as soon as Max crossed the start-finish line the race was over. Did you think that was logical, did it make sense?
1: Well, I think from what I've read and listened to following the race, I think the general consensus is that there was not necessarily any mistakes had in their decision-making with that. It was just a shame, really, that that was actually the final lap of the race. And then the drivers just finished as they were in succession. So that was sort of a bit of an anti-climax. But I think the crowd would have been happy because there was a huge amount of action in the race. And it was sort of likened to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the finale. So, I mean, to have those three starts in a race, it does cause a lot of controversy and a lot of anger from some of the drivers. I've got here, Sunday's Grand Prix was stopped three times, only the fifth time this has happened in 36 years. Okay. And on none of the occasions was there an um, unanimity, sorry, (laughs) Um, anyway. Unanimity. Unanimity. It it wasn't, yeah, all agree whether that was the correct decision or not. Unanimous. Unanimous, that's the one.
2: (laughs) It's worth pointing out into what you were just saying, Sarah, about how the crowd Felt about it, would have felt about it. If they hadn't thrown that last red flag, the alternative would presumably have been to run the rest of the race under the safety car. Now, if that had happened, you know, there wouldn't have been any more racing, no more overtaking. So we'd have had exactly the same procession at the end. And I think the crowd realised that. But whatever the reason was, it seemed to me that there didn't seem to be any discontent in the crowd with the way that race ended. I think they'd had their fill of excitement and drama, and they seemed to be applauding. And I didn't get the sense that there was an unhappy crowd at the end of that race
0: at all. I was unhappy. I called the red flags every time that a car spun off. The first thing I said, ah, oh, they'll red flag it, I said to Tycho here, And I was right on every occasion. However, restarting the race to run that sort of futile lap, I suppose you could call it, where nothing would happen. I know technically they had to cross the line to complete the race. It just seemed pointless to me and there should be a clause in the rules which say ah, when you're this close you can just red flag it and that's it. I don't think it did the show any favours even if they just stopped the race left that red flag and pulled everything and, and called that the end of the race I think that would be more acceptable I don't think I
2: agree, I think the rule about how you can cut the race short if, well if you just don't have enough time to complete the race, but you know, but the race is a set distance or a set amount of time and if you can complete that distance or that time you complete that distance all that time. And if it means that you end up with a slightly odd kind of finish under some odd circumstances that don't happen very often, well, you know, that's sport. That's the way that rules and events overlap and cause unexpected things to happen. And other it's fine, you know. I doubt we're going to see anything like that for another 10 years or so. (laughs) How often are you going to have an incident that causes another red flag... In the last couple of laps of a race, just after another red flag, you know, it's
0: going to be pretty um, rare. Yeah, well, restarts can produce further carnage, I suppose. And the True. closer you are to the end of a race with a restart, the more chance you have of that happening. I enjoyed the confusion, I have to say. That whole process on the screen where no one was absolutely certain whether we were going to go back to the race positions at lap 57 or it was going to be carried over. I enjoyed all that. Oh, we've got an unusual precedent here and that's kind of, oh, that's intriguing. How how many more permutations of things going wrong at the end of F1 races can there be? Because they keep throwing up new ones, don't they? They do, but when you know who's going to win
2: the race, you need to find some excitement somewhere else, don't you?
0: Oh! Sorry. <laughs> oh, Sorry. how they, they, very uh, cynical, Zogger. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not quite that cynical. cynical about, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Have you been enjoying the season, Sarah?
1: Well, I was just going to make a comment on that because there's been a few races now, and the one thing that I am enjoying is the success of Alonso with Aston Martin. The, uh, the Aston Martin team must be... Well, they must have a very good car this year to be keeping up. I mean, that was unheard of the last few seasons. So I think Fernando's got a a couple of podiums on the run now.
0: Yeah. And what a podium that was. Three world champions sharing, how many was it? Eleven world championships between them, let me think. Luis has got seven, not eight. Max has got two, so that gives us nine. And Alonso's got two. Eleven world championships on the podium. I think it's possibly the greatest or the winningest championship podium or something of all time. So, yeah, we keep setting these new precedents in Formula One. It's in good shape, therefore, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it looks like Fernando's got a lot of life in him yet. So,
0: <laughs>
1: is he on a one-year contract or a two-year contract? With They might sign him up again after this season, <laughs> seeing how well he's doing.
0: I think he's got a two-year contract, hasn't he, this year yeah. and next year and at which point Lewis might be thinking about joining Aston Martin No. Actually, I was saying in the last show that I thought it would, might be in Lewis's interest to jump ship. I don't think he's going to do that. Reading between what he's saying, Zaghi he seems committed to Mercedes again now, would you say? Yeah, well, I don't think I've changed my opinion about this. I think he'd be very, very reluctant to leave Mercedes.
2: He's got quite a realistic, level-headed attitude about The capacity in the medium and longer term of Mercedes to deliver the best car on the grid. And he's mature enough to not overreact to shorter term difficulties. And I think he's very embedded in Mercedes. I think it's going to take quite a bit to yank him away from there.
0: It was sad to see Daniel Ricciardo in the Red Bull pit and pit wall. I felt slightly forlorn looking at him.
1: Well, I, I don't know. I tend to disagree. He just sounds like he actually needs the year off. From what I saw, he seemed really happy. He was very popular in the paddock. He was very popular with all these Australian mates. They captured a lot of content with him. I saw him having a really positive attitude and having a laugh. But of course, he's probably missing not racing, but I think he probably needs a break. I read actually that Christian Horner commented that Daniel Carter, in his simulated sessions had said that Daniel's actually picked up A couple of bad habits, you know, after spending a couple of years away from Red Bull because he's obviously had to compromise his racing skills to try and manage a different car or trying to get a lesser car to sort of further him along the grid. But so I, I don't know. I see that I think he's happy doing what he's doing with the view to probably join again next year. Look, I could be wrong, but he seemed to put on a happy face, not by any means of trying, but I think he genuinely sort of enjoyed his role there and he's just happy, I guess, relearning and trying Trying to fall in love with the sport again
0: we'll come back to the other australian driver in f1 in a moment <laughs> yeah he barely got but a mention
1: actually so he did well yeah he did well he did
0: yeah but first zogger where did hulk finish oh i i, I can't tell i really <laughs> noticed i mean uh I,
2: it wasn't significant, was it no uh, fair play i mean you know we've had this discussion a few times you know i've never been as quite as impressed by Hulkenberg, as you guys know, but never quite a bigger fan. You know, allowing that he is a terrific driver. You know, yes, he is, but I just haven't been quite as big a fan. And in the current Haas lineup, I'm Team K. Mag, no question. But no, Hulkenberg kicked Magnussen's ass this weekend. He was. He, he, uh, he really did. You know, yeah. Even even if you discount Magnussen's rather sloppy running wide and wiping his car out against the barriers. Even without that, Hulkenberg more than had the measure of him, had a great weekend, and he's looking like a driver who's really got a second win. I mean, not quite in the same way that Alonso has, maybe, but Hulk was looking really good. Yeah, he had a great weekend, and Haas made a very good choice in putting him in the car, I think. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out between those two, though, because I honestly don't think Hulkenberg is much quicker than K-Mag, if he is. So, the rest of the season will tell us.
0: Well, he's out-qualified him on every occasion. And he did. Finished ahead of him, I think, in two of the three. I may be wrong. But I think any driver in F1 put a decent car underneath them. And, oh, the joy, they could do something with it. And I think Hulker's finding that, that this year's house is not a bad car at all. Clearly, it's... Better sorted than the McLaren, which, you know, took the entire race to sort of catch Hulk. There were a number of laps between Norris and Hulk. It took, you know, at least three laps to get past the Haas. Now, that may be more of an indictment to how poor the McLaren is, as opposed to how good the Haas is. Well, I think, I think maybe Hulk was doing a pretty good job of defending as
2: well, you know. He was. He was, uh, he was a bit elbows yeah, out.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah, your new love, apart from Fernando Alonso, huh? I hope he's... Oscar Piss Ashtray. I think I said his name correctly. Um, he did all right, didn't he?
1: Yes, he got points. So he would be fairly happy with that. Because I don't know, from what I've seen this year, the McLaren car hasn't really done overly well. But No. Yeah, but he did do well. He got the points. So, yeah, well done, the astry. But he certainly didn't get as much limelight as Daniel Ricciardo. I don't think he ever will. I don't think he's much of a personality, but you never know. He might come out of his shell.
2: Who is? I mean, you know, Ricciardo is a big, lovely, warm personality. And I hope he does get another race. I hope he does, as you're suggesting, Sarah. I hope he does find that with a bit of time off and a step back. He's able to find a bit more confidence and performance in himself to really have something to offer an F1 team next year.
1: Yeah, well, you hope so. I mean, Fernando Alonso had a year off, although he's probably a bit more of a decorated driver. And then Hulkenberg, he's been out of F1 for a few years now.
0: It is possible to come back if you time it right and get in a good car. But I don't know if Red Bull would put Danny in. When Perez is clearly doing a great job. He drove from the back of the grid to finish... Very high up in the points, Perez, didn't he, in the last race? What more can you ask? Is Danny going to be better than Perez at that? As an incumbent driver, he's more familiar and experienced with the car. I, I don't see Perez getting dropped unless it's for some political reason. If Max and Perez fall out at some point during the season which I wouldn't rule out I wouldn't rule out but I don't see Danny coming back George almost outperformed Lewis again this weekend he was second on the grid for the start of the race and initially got ahead of Max he's Making it hard for Lewis George Russell, has he? he? had some bad luck in the race, though, Sarah.
1: Well, yes, his car caught on fire, so that's obviously not a favourable thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think he, he does give Lewis Hamilton a run for his money, but so he should, definitely, as his Lewis's teammate. You wouldn't want anything else, I suppose.
0: Yeah, good point. You need drivers who push each other at the very highest level to get the maximum out of the car. Now, let's talk technical for a minute Sarah, i don't know how much you're across this but one of the things that lewis has been complaining about in the last couple of weeks is that because of the position he sits in the mercedes w14 very far forward he says he can't quite get the feel for the car that he likes sitting further back sitting more in contact with the back end of the car by sitting over the center of rotation the center of mass or something i don't know But I was discussing this with Zog earlier this week. Just how much further forward, in truth, is Lewis really sitting? Because there is a limit on where drivers can sit in a car because their feet must not extend beyond the front axle. So does this mean he's got his knees bunched up more rather than straight compared to... The other drivers, have the drivers got more of a gap between their foot and the front axle? Do you think Lewis is clutching at straws, desperate to identify anything that might be slowing him down, Zog? I don't
2: know. I suspect that part of the picture here could be that because of the very high G-forces involved in cornering, for example, it might only take a relatively small shift in the driver's position for it to make a perceptible difference from the driver's perspective you really don't have to move them very much before they will feel the difference in the way the car is rotating you know how it's feeling in their inner ear i suspect that is part of what's going on that he's just used to a different sensation there and that relatively small change is making it feel different and that's unsettling him i I suspect that's what's going on, but that's not knowing any more specifics of the car than you, Gareth.
0: I kind of understand, and I say kind with stress over it, what Lewis is alluding to, because I remember the first time I ever drove an MGTF replica, so this is an MG Sporting Roadster, I should say, from the, what, 1950s? And in that car, rather like a Caterham 7 or a Morgan, you sit, what feels like, right over the back axle. And I'd always driven cars where you sit in the front, you know, a four-seater car, until that point. And it gave me a whole different perspective on what it's like to drive a car from a further back position. And maybe, so, because of what you say, because of the forces is more extreme, that and these guys are more attuned to their cars, you know, they really are an extension of the car, the car is an extension of the driver. Maybe it is that that allows Lewis to register even those small differences. Yeah, who knows?
2: I mean, he's obviously not happy with the car. Maybe he's grasping at straws a little bit to find something that he can get a handle on and understand and therefore have a bit more confidence in the car. But maybe he has absolutely put his finger on it. If he has put his finger on it, I'd be surprised if they hadn't anticipated this sort of problem, though. But race car design is a complicated business, and more complicated when you have to factor in the people,
0: <laughs> the driver. Yeah, hey, and there have been some complicated people involved in Formula One over the years. Did you read recently that this week, Rocket, who were sponsors of the Williams team, are taking Williams to court on the basis that Williams lied about their performance targets as part of their sponsorship deal. I think this is Rocket trying it on here. I cannot see them getting away with this because they had to settle, didn't they, where Rocket owed Williams an absolute fortune. I think they've got most of it. They owe quite
2: a few sporting organisations and teams quite a bit of money uh, and are being taken to court by, I think, a couple of American football teams.
1: Wow.
0: Oh.
2: Franchises over sponsorship money that was allegedly not paid. So I guess Rocket are counter
0: suing I haven't followed the details of it, but that's what I gather is happening. I'm hoping I'm right on this one. I think I'm going to be right. I don't think they've got a leg to stand on. I think they entered into that as an agreement in good faith on both parties. But hey, I'm no F1 legal judge. <laughs> you probably
2: noticed. Well, and if, if we're talking about F1-related court cases, the other headline that just recently caught my eye was Felipe Massa possibly going to court.
0: You know about this, Sarah?
1: No, I don't actually.
2: Oh, this is... Breaking news today. Yeah.
1: Oh, really?
0: Yeah,
2: okay. yeah. Felipe Massa planning to take court action over the 2008 World Championship in which Nelson Piquet Jr. crashed at Singapore, yada, yada, yada. At the end of the season, Lewis Hamilton narrowly won the championship over Felipe Massa, famously at the very last minute for a few seconds at the end of the race. Massa had maybe won the championship, but then an overtaking move further back down the field gave the championship to Lewis. Felipe Massa is planning to go to court, claiming that Crashgate cost him the championship. And the trigger for this apparently has been Bernie Eccleston's admission in a recent documentary that he and Max Mosley knew at the time that what had happened. They knew that it wasn't an accidental crash. It was a deliberate crash they kept the lid on it in order not to damage the reputation of the sport. And so that will be the basis for Massa's challenge. I think it's going to be a pretty big reach to try and get a world championship from over a decade ago overturned, particularly when the link between the event and the actual outcome of the championship is minimal. I think Massa was out of the points in that Singapore race, in fact. So it will be going back too far, and the sporting regulations about... The championship being settled at the end of the year, I think, will just take precedence. You know, he's obviously (laughs) still a bit unhappy about it, but I think he just has to suck it up.
0: Yeah, I think he's taken bad legal advice, unfortunately. Lawyers will always say, oh, yeah, you've got a chance here, mate. Yeah, he'll pay us eight million quid and we'll get it for you. No, I ain't going to happen. Do lawyers sound like that? Uh, (laughs) Not in my experience. Sarah, it's lovely to see you back and lovely to see you looking tanned really we can see your tanned shoulders
1: it was a lot better a few weeks ago but i'll take that
0: (laughs) but we have to say goodbye to you and hello to the other person who's just joined this call hello alex goy
1: Hello.
0: Do you want to welcome Sarah back to this country, Alex? <laughs> I
1: know. Hi. Hi. Thank you for uh, welcoming me back. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm
3: tired. But other than that, good.
0: <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> uh oh. Well, we're sending the wrong one to rest. Sarah, you can go put your feet up now and apply some sun lotion or whatever it is you need to do.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, the sun's out today, so.
0: <laughs> I feel like I should sing the song. Sarah's back. Sarah's back. Not F1's back. Sarah's back. Yeah. But for that's it, Sarah, right, sing a See bye. you later.
1: Okay, bye, yep. bye, bye, bye. Enjoy,
0: bye. Alex, we'll talk to you in just a second. Are you an F1 driver? Yes. Or an F1 team owner? Yes. Or maybe even an ex-team member? Why, yes. Have you suffered any injustice justice in your F1 career? Then let F1Legal.com help you make your claim. f one legalcom Established with the expertise of... E- Flavio Briatore And as Flavio himself says about every case... Every case not about the money, no. It's about the justice doing what is right, and uh, girls wearing Benetton jumpers, maybe some sexy time, maybe f1wheel.com turning clients into champions gareth jones on speed this is gareth jones on speed and joining us like i said before that short break is alex goy alex you had a good week I've had a very lovely
3: week of doing lots of things and being very busy, and I am fresh from Caffeine and Machine, from my monthly mental health evening. I spent the evening chatting with
0: former England rugby captain and really lovely man Matt Dawson excellent I have very little to comment on that because I know <laughs> so very little even as a Welshman about rugby I know very little on that you didn't talk cars with him we talked mental health no and, we took we, yeah. we talked we talk mental health and
3: a bit about his life a bit about what it's like to represent your country what it's like to manage essentially a team of alpha males being alpha males um Ooh, nasty. and well because because that's part of the job and when you think about yeah. a rugby player they're not shy and retiring types they're people who want to hurl themselves at other people while chasing our egg so <laughs> and, and at that level of sport it's quite a serious proposition so he yeah, was a fascinating chap fascinating man and there was some beer afterwards so i'm a little bit fluffy today <laughs> oh i
0: was not like you i have to say a little bit wine tired did either of you spot that ford launched a new explorer in the last couple of weeks and things yes. seem to be changing for europe and now in ford
3: a big lecky suv Mm. To go alongside their other big Lecky SUV, but this yeah. one's more family
0: style rather than sports style. And, rumour has it, they're bringing the Capri back. That's their next EV, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
3: So who reported this story?
0: Because... Oh, where did I get it from?
3: Because I saw it on Auto Express and I think I saw it on Auto Car as well. And if those of us of a certain age who used to buy car magazines religiously every week to check the news and see what was going on before the internet... You remember Auto Car and Auto Express was always Baby Jag, New Capri, Baby yeah. Jag, New Capri. Then they, admittedly, mm. the Baby Jag eventually came out yeah. in the form of the XE. Yeah. The New Capri has yet to appear, yeah. so I think it might be a little bit of New Capri. Go on, do it. I mean, they brought the Puma back in yeah. the form of a lifted Fiesta,
0: which is a mega little car. It does exactly what it should have done, but New Capri. I'm holding out for the return of the Ford Anglia. Wouldn't that be
3: great? (laughs) Harry Potter fans all over the world will buy them in their droves.
0: Ah, there's a flying Anglia in Harry Potter, isn't there? Mm Mm-hmm. You can sit in it at Harry Potter World, apparently. Oh. Well, you know, they could bring back the popular plus. They could bring back the classic Capri, the Corsair. I always thought a good name for a new Ford would be the Ford Consort. Because it sort of evokes consul and escort without being either of
3: them. And it would be very popular on, say, French Regency royal fleets. Ba-dum-tish. A consort to the Dauphin. <laughs> very nice.
0: Very good. <laughs> Something to the Dolphin. A consort. To the Dolphin. To, to the Dauphin. Dauphin,
3: which was the king in waiting. The oh, child I king. see. Yeah. I, saw I thought Dauphin.
0: Dauphin. Oh, Delphine, isn't it? That's German. No, I thought Dauphin. Dauphin. D-A-U-P-H-I-N. Dauphin. Right. I always thought that meant Dolphin. It shows you what I know about language. <laughs> the Italian for Dolphin is Delfino. Delfino,
2: yeah. Oh, very good. lingo is going well. Given that the Mac e has been as successful for Ford as it has, trading on the Mustang history, mm. I think, why wouldn't they revive the Capri for a more European-facing electric vehicle proposition? It worked with the Mustang why don't they do it with the Capri as well? And other major manufacturers are using some of their kind of heritage models in electric iterations. I say iterations. You know, it's a, obviously, it's a completely new vehicle. Mm. They're slapping that name on it because the name means something to the market. And an electric Mini is going to be appealing, of course, because you like Minis. Yeah. An electric Capri will be appealing because you like Capris.
3: I've just found the Auto Express story that popped up last week on the 29th. And it says, very, very quick things. You know, we've got the All Electric Explorer, the Broncos in the US, all these names. A Ford spokesman told Auto Express, we don't comment on future products, but Ford is on a mission to make electric iconic.
0: What does that mean?
3: <laughs> this follows on from uh, Company Design Manager telling us that the launch of the Explorer will be expanding on other iconic
0: names. Mm. Ah, I know what they mean by that. They're gonna bring back a car that's an electric escort, and they're going to call it the E Scort, aren't they? Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> that's pretty good. They could have had e-explorer, yeah. e Escape, and... Or the Galaxy E, with two capital E's at the end. That would work, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. that would work. Okay, or, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I think we've exhausted it, that. So, yeah, we welcome Old Brown's returning. And, Alex, you've been driving... Cars. Cars, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Not horses or horses around Alex, the bend. Uh, maybe You've been driving... Some cars. A new car... And sort of saying goodbye to an old car, which one... Mm. Let's do the new car first. Yeah, so I had a quick spin in the Audi Q8 e-tron, which
3: is essentially an Audi e-tron, their first SUV, but it's the sort of mid-life cycle refresh thing. So it's got a bit of a bigger battery, a bit more range from the battery. So it's a 114 kilowatt hour battery. will now do, if you get the Sport back, and the mid-tier one will do 343 miles, Allegedly. I will say that you know that requires I think it's a little over three miles per kilowatt hour of efficiency. When I drove it, I was lucky to get two and a half. Admittedly, it was mixed driving. I was being a bit of a knob. I was on country roads, but a bit of dual carriageway, bit of town, bit of city. So in lab conditions, it'll do it. But it's much like MPG when manufacturers said, "Oh, it'll do 80 MPG," and people were surprised that they were lead footing it and did twelve. Yeah. <laughs> it's all driving style. Depending on which one you get, you can get an SQ eight, which comes with loads of power, which will do to sixty two in four and a half seconds, or you can get a fifty, which has a smaller ninety five kilowatt hour battery, or the fifty five and the SQ eight get the hundred and fourteen kilowatt hour battery. It's debuted the company's new grille and the new logo which is a flat four rings which is kind of cool very elegant and stylized and they're black rather than shiny chrome the new grille's pretty cool it's got some active functionality on it so it'll open and close depending on what the car needs cooling wise and airflow wise lots of hidden aero to try and make it as slippery as possible despite the fact it's you know massive charging wise if you get the right charger 10 to 80 percent in less than 30 minutes which is about standard for a big ev now with with yep. fancy architecture in it it's got those virtual wing mirrors so camera cameras for wing
0: mirrors, yeah. which are a great idea in theory. We've had this conversation. I had them on the e-tron bought back, whatever it was, I forget. would probably be on the pre-Q8
3: e-tron sportback.
0: Yeah, which were okay, but you tend to look in the wrong place
3: for them. You end up looking at the camera, and then yeah. when you do adjust your sight to go down to the little screen that's just perched inside the door, when you normally look in a mirror, if you move your head slightly, you can see differently, but with those cameras, you can't. Mm. And it's a little off-putting, a little bit of a faff. But that's the only real pube in the otherwise lovely soup that is the Q8 <laughs> tron It's not the most engaging, like, quick, sporty car to drive, but as a soft, wafty family cruiser with air yeah. suspension and all the toys you can possibly imagine, it's a really lovely way to get around. Yeah, It's smooth, it's quick, it's quiet, the materials inside are gorgeous, the touch points are all bang on, you know... There's no sort of obvious cost-cuttery anywhere. Everything feels chunky, everything feels nice, it feels good to be in. And the new design, it does lift it a little bit. The problem the original e-tron had is that it looked a lot like at Audi SUV. And I know Audi's got a little bit of a thing at the minute with its design direction, where everything looks like a smaller or bigger facsimile of everything else.
0: Russian dolls, yeah. Yeah.
3: Whereas this new design, it kind of lifts it, it modernises it a touch, and it it, it looks sharp, it looks really sharp.
0: It shares tech, Zog, doesn't it, with the Porsche... Taycan, they've got commonality, haven't they? That's the Etron GT.
3: Yeah, there you go. You're thinking of you. So you're thinking of the coupe, four door, saloon thing. I'm talking SUV. Yeah. There's some similarity, but the Taycan and the Etron GT are the same platform, right? Which is cool.
0: And the Q8 Etron shares bits across a number of VW platforms. Well, the point I'm trying to get to here is that in some ways, it's not that distantly related to the car I mentioned at the start of this the Ford Explorer which is built on a VW what do we call them? MEB. MEB platform and that was all created as a adaptable platform that can be used across all VW electric cars and now Ford are using it as well as part of their deal so man we're getting terrifying convergence with the Ford Explorer and the Audi Q8 quattro e-tron thing are related who could have predicted that it's cool though it's an exciting time if you want a massive electric ev (laughs) (laughs) and you've (laughs) driven one of the great last old internal combustion engine cars is this the last jaguar with a ic engine so yeah i went to spain a few weeks ago
3: to do one of the best but also worst launch events i've ever been on the best because it was a 500-mile road trip across Spain in V8 sports cars. The worst because it'll never happen again. So Jaguar has launched the F-Type 75 edition, which is for the final year of production. It's to celebrate 75 years of Jaguar sports cars. The XK120 came out 75 years ago. Very handy timing for them. So the 75 edition doesn't come with mechanical tweaks. It's it's more cosmetics because there's not much more they can do with the platform
0: or the tech beneath it or the budget they have available (laughs) considering that they're stuck for money
3: a little bit, yes. But you get some badges and you get some fancy wheels and you get paint that you can't get in any of the others. And it just looks the part. So, yeah, the the F-Type is coming to an end. It will be the final internal combustion engine powered Jaguar sports car, which Jag is obviously very sad about. The 75 edition comes either as a P450, which is a supercharged V8 with 450 horsepower. You can have that as rear drive or all-wheel drive. Or it'll come on the R, which is a 575 horsepower all-wheel drive anger box.
0: What year did the F-Type come out? When was it launched? I went
3: on the Cabriolet launch in 2013. So it's 10 10 years. years.
0: And they made huge predictions for how this car was going to steal purchases from porsche mm. mainly they hoped that would happen while i was writing
3: the thing what i did write, available on gq right now listen i talked with both ian callum and david gandy off of being a model and the point that david gandy raised was that for some people because it was being sold alongside a boring saloon and kind of a tiny SUVs and things like that, it made it seem not special enough. Right. Because the Porsche was a special car because it's a Porsche. Whereas you can get a 5-litre V8 F-type or you can have a 2-litre diesel XE.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. See the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: Whereas Ian Callum argued that that just made it attainable. So it's horses for courses. One of them worked for Jaguar. The other one didn't. But it was a very, very bittersweet trip because the car remains... Really good. They find out a few kinks. The steering's now way more direct. The ride on big 20-inch wheels and stiff springs... In town, a little bit rough, but when you're on a nice, smooth, flowy, open B roady thing, absolutely gorgeous, feels amazing, goes amazing. The noise that those V8s kick out, good lord. I mean, they've been slightly throttled back for emissions reasons, so they're not as burbly as they used to be. The original F Type R, which was 2014, came out
0: with the coupe. It had this big snap, crackle, pop thing going on, and it was very exciting. And a switch that you could turn off the butterfly in the manifold mm-hmm. to allow it to make even more noise. You can still do that, but yeah, it's not quite as visceral. But still, when you're, shall we say,
3: um, making progress, sir, yeah. um, it's quite quick, it's very quick and it's very
0: sonorous oh and it's really? very exciting 178, something stupid like
3: that, isn't it? A fun side of 180 for <sighs> the R. Blimey, lovely. So, the, the interesting thing is, the current F Type R has the same power. As the previous F-type SVR. Oh right. Uh, but the F-type SVR, I think, had different aero tweaks and different things done to it, so that could do 201 miles an hour. Oh, which was a bit naughty.
0: Jog. So yeah. I drove an F-type R all-wheel drive many, many years ago, and it was every bit as satisfying an experience as driving that 718 Cayman. Is that the number of the Cayman? Not the Cayman, yeah, the yeah, uh, Boxer. That's right. Yeah, the 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 718
3: Cayman Boxster thing that came out with two litre and 2.5 and they just sounded rubbish and Porsche's gone.
0: Oh, really sorry. Uh, (laughs) Both phenomenal cars. Will the market, in your opinion, Zog, miss the F-Type or have people start to give up on Jaguar now, emotionally perhaps?
2: A relatively small sector will definitely miss the F-Type. And I think we are all adjusting to the reality of the end of the internal combustion engine era and we're adjusting to the changes that that brings and so a lot of beloved names and models will move on will pass on and yeah it will be missed but not all that much i mean it's, it's been a good late period jaguar shout i think but it hasn't been iconic enough to Leave a huge hole in our collective hearts I think, but we'll miss it.
3: No, I think it's one of those cars that was sort of a very deliberate choice. If you bought one, because the obvious choice, so you find yourself with seventy odd thousand pounds, and oh, you it happens a all the time car. Car to me. Keeps happening. It's so awkward. But you find yourself with that amount of money. Do you go for the Jag that has? perhaps fairly, perhaps unfairly, a reputation for reliability issues, or do you go with the car that's been refined for nearly 60 years? You go with the Porsche. Mm. It was that much of a decision, because in that bit of the market, the car either needs to be really special, or it needs to be a 911. (laughs) uh... Yeah, no, I think you sum it up nicely. It's the same problem Lotus had with the Evora, it's the same problem Alpha had with the 4C, it's the same problem, kind of, that Alpine has, is that It's a very good car, but it's not a Porsche. It's not the equivalent Porsche. It's not a Cayman. It's not a Boxster. It's not a 911. You have to really want to go for it and you have to really want that in your life, which enough people did like enough people did to keep it going as long as it has been kept going, but not enough to make it kind of one of those. Oh, wow. That guy's got an F-Type. It's great. That said, that said, when you do see one, oh, they do look good.
0: They're beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Callum knows what he's doing, you
2: know. Oh, for sure.
0: What are Jaguar Land Rover's plans for both Land Rover and Jaguar as brands now? Are they going to give up on Jaguar as a rival to BMW with saloons, which is what they were trying to do? And are they going to pitch Jaguar closer to Aston Martin, stratospheric? The plan as we know it for Jaguar is in
3: 2024 the all-electric reinvention will be revealed that is all they will say there's no hints there's no tips there's no tricks I don't know anyone who's seen a model of the new car I don't know anything about it I went to the launch of their Formula E car last year and all they were saying is electrification is a part of our future Jaguar is going to be kicking ass on the track and we're going to match that on the road in 2024 everyone from Jaguar I spoke to on this launch what can you tell us and they're like nothing we're not allowed to say anything about jaguar at all until next year it's a bold choice because it means it just looks like jaguar is running the clock out on its current models you no know, xe xf pace e pace i pace and f type because they're not saying what's coming next and how it's going to come and what the company's going to look like it just looks like jerry mcgovern sat in coventry watching the last ones roll off the line and then doing nothing and i know he's not doing nothing there's big stuff coming but the optic of it is well jags we'll just let that quietly die and then pop up in another year or so and then make that a thing which is a great shame because jaguar as a brand as a mark as a manufacturer has done so much collectively with its cars and most notably its sports cars c-type is responsible for disc brakes d-type was a masterwork in aerodynamics yep. e-type the most beautiful car in the world is Enzo Ferrari if you if you mention e-type you have to say that at least three times otherwise you get attacked by the ghost of Sir William Lyons yes it's a bit like Honda NSX and, uh, and oh you know Senna did the development on that oh
0: and you also yes. have to say when you talk about the Jaguar XJ6 Mark III that Jijaro considered that the most beautiful car in the world I ah, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, high
2: praise. Mm, yeah, important. But yeah, it's, it's
0: a shame to see them appear to squander
3: what they have. But the flip side of that is. We know something's coming and Land Rover, Range Rover, all kicking ass. We know there's EVs coming. They've talked about PHAF. They've talked about electrification. That brand's journey is set in stone. It's big. It's luxury. It's lifestyle. It's elegance. It's less mud plugging for the sake of going up a mountain. It's I'm going to go up the mountain I own to my chalet at the top where I will meet my helicopter to fly to the other chalet. But that's what Land Rover is about now. And that's cool.
0: Finally, Jaguar Land Rover aren't going to separate. They're not going to hive off Jaguar because there was some possibility that that could happen at some point recently. I honestly don't know. I think it's
3: the perfect brand, a bit like Rolls-Royce, it's the perfect brand to suit electrification and to perhaps be used as a canary for tech and ideas that would then be fed into the more successful, I mean, obviously more successful, more visible Land Rover and the Range Rover being the flagship of that particular stable so I think selling it would be a silly idea and ditching it would be a silly idea I just really hope that the announcement in 2024 is going to be something really big and exciting not an XE with batteries in the floor (laughs)
0: let's hope so
2: yeah I mean I would be delighted if it was an electric C type but uh, I'm
3: great wouldn't it
2: if only it's not going to be that but we can drink
0: I'm going to go with an electric XK120 I think that would do it wouldn't it oh that would be nice yeah,
2: yeah that
3: would be
0: alright yeah. yeah. I mean I
3: know companies that can do them Lunaz, Lunaz did an electric Jaguar XK120 I drove it it was really good lovely the, the trouble is
0: they'd have to call it the XK E oh Ooh. I'm going to leave it there Alex, say goodbye. Bye. Zog, say goodbye. Goodbye. And I'm going to say bye. I'm sorry. (laughs) Get out.
3: For information on how to contact the show, see pictures, get song lyrics, follow us on Twitter, find our Facebook fan page, or to sponsor the show, go to garethjones.tv.
1: Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whiz Bang.
0: Gareth Jones on
1: Speed!